yeah, I was telling Court, like, we're going to try to start recording more so that I have a backlog to edit when the baby's here so I can just like stare at her face and be like, listen to mommy talking. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> like, she can hear your voice over and over and over. <laughs> You will love this show. (laughs) (laughs) You know you're in a cult when your parents play their own voice recordings for you. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. In high school, we were best friends. And now that we're old, we're still best friends. And we both really love the show Friends. We love it so much that we thought we'd rewatch it together and tell you all about it. So join us to find out all the details that two people who weren't there can find out from the internet. Could there be better friends watching Friends? Oh, and I've watched five seasons of Are You the One, the MTV show that I texted you about. It is so bad. I don't know if I could do that. Should I? (laughs) But it's like a mystery almost, too. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) It'll be like reality dating shows and mysteries. And pure garbage. And garbage. It might be for you. People getting hammered all day, every day, and hooking up. Okay, I could, I could, I could get on board with that. It's like the real world with a purpose. Oh, okay. I um, I was really tempted to start Love Island. It keeps getting suggested to me. Uh huh. It keeps popping up. Yeah. I have to finish. I have to finish um, season three of Big Brother first. It's taking forever. TV, however many years ago that was, was really bad. I mean, it was just like, like they did not edit out all of the waiting. Mm. There's a lot of waiting. And like, dramatic music. (laughs) (laughs) While waiting. While waiting, yeah. Like, there's probably five solid minutes of someone just staring at, like a lazy Susan and putting giant keys in because like they're, they're the house guests and they have keys with their name on it. So they have to draw it out. And the last person who does not have a key is one that's nominated for eviction. But like, but like the person who's the, who's the head of household that like is doing the nomination has to decide like what order the keys go in. And so it's, you're literally sitting there for five goddamn minutes watching this person look at key like these giant cardboard keys and then like existential crisis (laughs) yeah and then deciding like what slots to put them in (laughs) and i'm like fast forward as long as one person's isn't in there it doesn't matter what order right i don't know or is it like a head game it's like i think we're second to last yeah i think it's a head game it's still stupid. <laughs> and like, yet you're on season three. <laughs> I, I am. I've wa- I've already watched like 10 other seasons, at least 10 other seasons, but I'm going back to the beginning and watching all of the early ones that I have not watched. I support you. I have no room to judge. If you ever get five minutes of the show I'm watching now, Court comes in and is like, I can't believe you're watching. This. And I'm like, this is what I need in my life right now. Okay. This is my just, stress relief. Just where I'm at. Anyway, it's just, and the host just changed in this season I'm watching now, and I don't really like him at all. He like tries oh. to pull like Marky Wahlberg stuff and like really give them therapy and like hard talks. 
like the premise is that they all they all go through this matchmaking process. They get like interviewed and they have to talk about who their perfect match is, and they're all like twenty three. Um, so and they then, don't know. No. No, it's like someone who's graduated college, like someone who loves to party. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so you don't see any of this, but they go through like a quote unquote rigorous matchmaking process and their families get interviewed and like their exes and their friends and they take personality tests. And so everyone in the house, there's, well, depending on what season, there's 10 girls and 10 guys in the first season and they each have a perfect match in the house and they don't know who it is and they have to figure it out and they have 10 weeks. Oh, I know. And so of course they're all drawn to like the people who are the worst for them. (laughs) the most toxic yes and they're like we're in love and it's been four days and we know we're the perfect match and then they have like a thing called the truth booth so every week like one couple goes to the truth booth and it's the only way to validate if you're like for sure a perfect match and so if you are a perfect match you move out of the house the next day to the honeymoon suite and you like aren't in the house the rest of the time because you're like you get like time to foster your relationship oh my god oh my god but there's constantly people who go in there and are not a match and then they're like completely devastated like i have to meet other people in the house now like how am i gonna open up and And they and they don't know who actually is a match so i'm i'm assuming there's a lot of like bed swapping and like jealousy oh yeah it's like the drama of the real world with a dating game I'm I'm so in. I know. <laughs> the first so episode, in. I was like, "Oh my god, I don't know if I'm too old now to watch these MTV shows." And then I was like, "Well, this is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what happens." I listened to an episode of uh, Rob Lowe today, where he interviewed Jennifer Aniston. She talked about the reunion. It's a good one if you um, okay. I definitely need to listen to that are you ready for some trivia i'm ready which friend does rachel's sister jill hit on oh she she hit on ross yes for bonus points what did her who did her other sister hit on joey well no i've i switched it but who did what friend hit on her other sister but yes you're correct That's one of my favorite how you doings when he's just like, how you doing? And she's just like, don't. (laughs) Oh, my God. When uh, when he's trying to hit on Amy and she's like, Amy's put a lot of makeup on you. (laughs) (laughs) She's so mean. (laughs) She's so mean. I love her so much. I love Christina Applegate so much. Did you watch her show on Netflix with Linda Cardellini? Yes, I watched the first season. It was really good. Yeah. It's really dark. Yeah. You should keep going. Okay. I think there's I w- two out, I think. Yeah. I, I, w- I will. I love both of them so much. Oh, me too. Okay. Number two. On the night Chandler was going to propose to Monica, whom did they run into? Richard. Yes. All right. Number three. Which two friends steal baked goods from a neighbor? Oh, Rachel and Chandler, the cheesecake. Yay! Good job. On this little bakery. <laughs> Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> okay, this is weird. 
because it's kind of the same question. Which friend had cheesecake mistakenly delivered to their apartment? Yes. That's one of my favorite episodes where they eat the cheesecake. I do too. You don't often see Chandler and Rachel bonding. Mm-hmm. It's it's really good. Oh, you're going to get 100%. Yes. Okay. Which friend made candy to get to know the neighbors? Monica. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> what season was it? Oh, it was Christmas, right? Yes. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. This is season one, episode 16, the one with two parts, part one. And it was released February 23rd, 1995. It was written by Kaufman and Crane and directed by Michael Lembeck. I don't think we've had him before. Most notable acting role was on One Day at a Time. He also played Captain Cool of Captain Cool and the Kongs on the Croft Super Show from 1976 to 78. I don't know any of those things. <laughs> he won an Emmy for his work as director on the Friends episode, the one after the Super Bowl, and directed 20 other episodes of the series. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we'll have to look out for him then. Yes. And Captain Cool and the Kongs. Obviously. All right, I got I got a summary for you. There's a lot happening in this episode, by the way. I liked this one. I do too. So Ross attends Lamaze classes with Carol and Susan, where he suddenly realizes having a baby means he will also become a father. Joey starts dating Phoebe's, Phoebe's twin Ursula, causing Phoebe to face her own insecurities and confront her estranged family dynamics. Chandler finds himself in a no-win situation when he's told he has to fire the woman he wants to date, and Rachel forgot to take down the Christmas lights. That really sums it up. It was also the the first two-parter. Yes. I only have one perky fact. Just along with the one with the the episode, the one with the monkey. I'm out the trash and water the Shut up, Alexa. <laughs> I'm just gonna unplug her. <laughs> this is why all the plants in our house die, is because I, I like ignore my reminders from my robots. <laughs> Some perky facts. I have one. Okay. So along with the episode The One with the Monkey, Lisa Kudrow received her first no- Emmy nomination for this episode. I found this really interesting article from biography.com and like how she got, how she ended up getting the part on Mad About You. Oh. But it's kind of long, but I thought it was really interesting. Lisa Kudrow couldn't shake the desire to perform after college. Um, She was working for her dad, who was a researcher doing like headache research. And so she joined the Groundlings comedy group. And then she eventually quit working with her dad and started supporting herself as an actress. She said, I was starting to run out of money and the producer, Danny Jacobson from Mad About You, called my agent at the last minute because I got a call in the morning from my agent saying, they'll give you a guest star credit. I don't think you should do it. You have an hour to be there. (laughs) (laughs) But she was desperate. And so even though the role at the time was just waitress with a few lines, she got in her car. She said, I'm a trained improviser and I can think on my feet and that's fine. I can make choices fast. 
And um, so on the drive, she got in the headspace and she said, I just remember driving down there going, all right, so just listen and respond and make it funny. And then by the end of the week, Danny Jacobson said, you're really funny. And would you be okay if we wrote you into five more episodes? And she said, it was like, I don't have to get a day job. I thought I would have to find some job somewhere in an office because I stopped working for my father. And so then it was that role of Ursula that got her the audition for Friends. She ended up going through a ton of rounds of, of um, auditions where she had to do monologues and perform in a theater. But her prime focus along the way was not losing her role on Mad About You. And she said, I thought it was the best show on TV at the time. And she raved about her Rachel's character who worked at Riffs. And when she got friends, her first thought was, oh, good, this is on NBC, too. So maybe they'll let me stay on Mad About You, too. I like being on Mad About You, and I don't want anything to jeopardize my role there. And then she said, when Friends got its time slot on Thursday night at 8.30 after Mad About You, everyone realized we needed an explanation for the audience. Like, why are they seeing the same girl with the same voice at 8 and 8.30 <laughs> on two different shows? <laughs> and so David Crane, I think we've said this before, but David Crane's husband was a writer on Mad About You. And so they came up with the idea of them being twins. They had to go to the creators of Mad About You, which were Danny Jacobson and Paul Reiser, to get permission and amazingly, because of the relationship, they were incredibly generous and let us do it, which is nuts, said David Crane. I wouldn't let anybody do that with a character on our show. <laughs> and then uh, filming scenes on Friends with both Phoebe and Ursula didn't always go smoothly. Lisa did not have a good time doing them, said Kevin Bright. She did not like acting with a double in a way she might have made it more difficult for herself because her double was her actual sister, Helena. I think feeling the stress she put her sister into by being the double was more in her head. So those scenes were a little bit tricky to shoot, but it ended up being a lot of fun when you put it together. And then, like you said, she was the first person to get uh, to win an Emmy um, and got the trophy in 1998. And she got her first nomination for this episode. Yeah. So. I, I did not know that her sister was a stand-in. That's crazy. One thing that I loved about that, and I, I think it's totally valid that she got a nomination for this because I think she has some really good acting scenes just as Phoebe, but also Ursula and Phoebe are such different characters. It's so apparent when she's playing Ursula and when she's playing Phoebe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really love Ursula so much. Uh-huh. Well, and I love the fact that the characters from Mad About You made a little cameo in Friends coming into the coffee shop. Like, Me it was too. such a great little little crossover scene. Mm-hmm. I wanted more. I wanted them to always be crossing over. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that um, Phoebe ever showed up in Mad About You, though. I don't think so. No. They only did it this way. Yeah. Yeah. Lisa Kudrow definitely gives Ursula much more of an edge. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she's definitely ditzier and flu- floopier. Floopier. <laughs> but like, but like, I will cut you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like street Phoebe still. Yeah, yeah, all the time. But dimmer. And that's how we start the show. Is that mad about you? Kind of. Yeah, at, at riffs. Mm-hmm. Did you know when that when they showed the riff sign outside what it was? Did you remember? No. When I was watching Mad About You, I was not 
paying attention to details like that. I, I didn't even recognize that it was like part of the crossover. That's fair. Mad about, I mean, it was on when we were in high school, middle school. Yeah. It was like a little bit more adult. Mm-hmm. In fact, what my, my initial reaction when we first opened to that scene, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a new setting. It's a new restaurant. This is weird. What are they doing there? Why aren't they at the coffee shop? <laughs> I've rewatched Mad About You once or twice since it ended. And um, I didn't realize there was a reboot in 2019. I haven't seen that yet. Oh, I, I don't, I didn't know that either. Yeah, I guess Phoebe was not, or, or, or Lisa Kudrow was not part of it. But, oh. um, I found that in my research yesterday. But, but I remember watching Mad About You with my mom, because it was like, more of like a parent age show. And uh-huh. there's an episode where they are trying to sleep train their baby. And like the whole entire episode takes place outside the baby's door. Like they have the door shut. It's just like screaming in there and they're both just like trying to cope with parenting. And I remember watching it with my mom and she was like so emotional. This episode's lame. (laughs) (laughs) And lo and behold, I will probably be there. Yeah. In not too long. Very soon. Yeah. So anyway, I did like how Chandler has to explain to Joey, that's Phoebe. Because Joey's just kind of like, waitress. And stares at her. Yeah. No, that's Phoebe. Well, that's the running gag of this whole episode is that, like, he doesn't see the resemblance as clearly <laughs> as anybody else. He's just like, no, that's, she doesn't, she, she's hot. She's not, she doesn't look like Phoebe. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, so sad. I know. I feel, I feel so much for Phoebe. Me too. So, did you notice that, like, this scene and then the scene when Helen Hunt, and I forget the other actress's name, but like when they come in, this they parallel each other a little bit. Like it's the same kind of concept, but I think the dialogue parallels each other too. It's like, you're here. And it's like, uh-huh. Yeah. So are you. <laughs> but there was like, she played the same character, but with in. Like she played it as Phoebe and then she played it as Ursula or vice versa. Um, And it was just, she played it differently, but it was, it was almost the same dialogue, which was kind of fun. Yeah. I didn't even notice that. You're right though. Yeah. There's a lot of like, what are you doing here? Well, you called, I was over there and you called me over here. And then with Helena, they're like, you're You're, here. You're here. It's like, yeah. And so are you. Yeah. After the credits roll, that was like a very snowy street, like a very slushy, dirty street. I was, I was like, oh my gosh, it's winter in New York. Yeah, that's a big snowplow. And it was like they couldn't find a nicer, um, like image of New York in the snow. It was very like mucky snow that is being like not nice and powdery anymore. It's just like dirty. Wouldn't that be like real life, though? I don't imagine that snow falling in the city of New York is very clean. Shots fired. (laughs) New York and their dirty snow. (laughs) You're so dirty, New York. Uh, Well, we go to the coffee shop and Ross's monkey is out of control. I'm already so tired of the monkey. (laughs) 
Uh, I don't find the monkey jokes to be that funny. Like, my monkey is out of control. Like, haha, penis joke. Okay, yeah. that it's just not not doing it for me. No, it's it's a little too forced, obvious, topical. Eh. But I I did appreciate Rachel's like little comebacks, like little quips at him when he's just like he's erasing messages from my machine, and she's like I've done that. And she's like, and then he grabs my newspaper and pees all over it, and she's like I haven't done that. <laughs> You know how the monkey is named Katie in real life? Yeah. She is uncredited in this episode. <gasps> oh, poor Katie. I know. But, like, there's a monkey. You don't need to credit. Like, isn't there, like, SAG for animals? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that works. <laughs> I don't understand because, I mean, she definitely plays a role. She's, like, taking the remote and changing the channels and messing yeah. with the settings. I mean. She's. Like, definitely has lines, technically. Like, she's making sounds. She's <laughs> laughing. She's laughing at the at the Spanish, the Spanish dubbing. Oh, my God. And then did you see Monica's hair? Okay. <laughs> I, so you know what I thought of when I saw Monica's hair? And, like, that, that I don't even know what it was. Like, 60s style was mm-hmm. when she, be, like, later on when she gets that job at the diner. Mm-hmm. The 60s themed diner. I was like, that looks like her wig when yeah. she when she works at the diner. It was so bad. It was really bad. It was like, do you know, do you ever see the show That Girl from the 60s? No. Or 70s? Well, she has that exact hair. It's just like the little like snake curve like, mm-hmm. or whatever you call this. Like, um, And I also, I tried to write, why is it so zhuzhed? And I spent like 10 minutes trying to figure out how do you spell the word zhuzh. <laughs> and I couldn't Google it because I was like, well, I don't know how to spell it to Google it. <laughs> I don't even know how to sound that word out. Zhuzh. I feel like it's a J-Z. A J-Z-O-U. There's something there. Zhuzh. started it with a J. Okay. And I was like, zhuzh. That's a J sound. And I did J-O-O, and then I just stopped and was like, Jew. And then I was like, well, if I did J for the first sound, it should also be another J. So I have it spelled J-O-O-J-E-D. Jujid. Jujid. I feel like I heard, I don't know, on some show or something, a podcast somewhere somebody spelled that word one time and i think it has like very like silent x's and b's and stuff in it oh it's like really they spelled but i don't know how to look it up because i don't know how to spell it. try voice to text in your phone and see <laughs> what happens gonna be, be like an explosion <laughs> it's gonna be a monster <laughs> oh that's one can i tell you that's one of my like favorite words it, I think it's like it, my it's a word that really runs in my family like ever especially when it comes to cooking everyone's always like oh just give it a little zhuzh like just oh. just zhuzh it up like and we can just you, we just know what it means <laughs> can you ask your whole family how to spell it <laughs> I don't think they know at 145 there's a blanket draped over the chair that Ross is sitting in. And like, I don't know if this was just being in a pandemic too long, 
like I would never go into a public coffee shop and be like, oh, what a nice blanket sitting out here for who knows how long. I'm going to put this on. It just seemed strange. No, you don't, you're not going to go in a public coffee shop in New York and cuddle up with a blanket <laughs> know, right? unless you're homeless. Right. Well, and like it's located in like Central Park or near Central Park. Yeah. So like there's a lot of traffic, like foot traffic, like either it's going to get stolen real quick or it's going to be disgusting. <laughs> there's no good option there. Yeah. And I don't think we've ever seen a blanket there before. No. But I think the chair is also a different chair. It's like a really cozy, gray, like velvety kind of chair. Oh, I didn't even notice it. In terms of fashion for what they're wearing. Oh, man, I am so excited. I may vomit. Aside from Monica's hair, I really like Rachel's denim vest. And I actually really like Ross's flannel, too. I didn't even look at Ross. It's like a greenish. I don't know. It has some like other colors in it. it's like a greenish blue like woolly flannel but i was like i love i like winter friends yeah when this it... when they're not turtlenecks oh my god or velvet yeah. <laughs> does it the flannel actually fit him reasonably well i think so i mean it's a little big but it it's well, not it's not ridiculous yeah. i mean i used to wear my dad's flannels to sixth grade with sweatpants so <laughs> you were very hip definitely was not at all <laughs> everyone had like cool flannels and my dad's were from like you know the olden times <laughs> and then at 204 uh we get to look inside the coffee shop from outside and i couldn't remember if we've had that perspective before i don't think from a character looking in yet um mm-hmm. but they're spying through the window i feel like people would notice them being creepy like that they're like full-on just like spying through trying to look at look at phoebe to see if she's this she looks the same as her sister like you could just go in right be like her do you have a twin yeah like don't know that don't be creepy yeah and then that like that's where joey says that phoebe's phoebe and ursula is hot I know, I didn't like that. And Joey's wearing that awful turtleneck sweater style again. Oh, Jesus. And Chandler has his old bowling stripe shirt on. And then poor Phoebe, like, hates her sister. I know. I do. I I really liked when she's just like, is she fat? (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, that's classic. Of course. Of course you would say that. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me she looks awful. That's all you want to hear about someone you don't I like. Know. I know. Well, especially to like differentiate between yourself. Like, please tell me I look better than her if she looks exactly like me. Yeah. <laughs> so Ross has to go to Lama's class with Carol and Susan and he puts on Monica's jacket and I was like, ha ha, Ross is gay. These jokes do not age well. No. Well, and he's just, like, absent-minded because he's thinking about how uncomfortable he is. He's just, like, he's, he's like, frantic, frantic, dope, dopey Ross. Yeah. <laughs> Where he, like, kind of tantrums by, like, shrugging it off and then just storms out. It reminded me of, I can't remember which episode is, but there's one 
Oh, it's um, when he's supposed to be getting married to Emily and he's trying to put his pants on and he puts them on backwards twice. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's so frantic. And he's like, what is wrong with these pants? <laughs> what is wrong? And he puts his hands like this. What is wrong with these pants? <laughs> Opposite of clients. Real open hands. oh that's another reason why you're the same i know well i did i did look up what lamaze is is it a brand no so i remember so at least i don't know if i remember being told about it by my parents or if i remember my mom talking about it when i was super super little going through it for my sis when my sister was born but it's, I feel like it was something that was highly popular in the 80s and then just kind of fizzled out. I don't know if anyone does, goes to those classes anymore. I feel like it's, if it's the same, it's just called like birthing class now. Yeah. And so I thought it was like some specific technique, but it sounds like the same types of things that people do now. So okay. according to Wiki- Wikipedia... The Lamaze technique is it prepared childbirth techniques, and it was popular popularized in the 1950s by French obstetrician Dr. Fernand Lamaze, based on his observations in the Soviet Union as an alternative to medical intervention during childbirth. And so it was all about like natural childbirth, not just putting people under. Yes. Yeah. So the goal of Lamaze is to like build a mom's confidence in her ability to give birth. So that's like what the breathing does. Um, And it's like this series of classes that help women understand how to cope with pain and like get comfortable, like relaxation techniques, movement, massage, that kind of thing, which I was like, oh, that's what they do now. Like. But they don't call it that. So that was really, that was really interesting. I wonder, did you run across anything about like any part of Lamaze specifically getting like debunked or was there like, it just like the term faded away? No. Yeah. It was just, that was, that was basically it in terms of what it was. I feel like though Lamaze in itself had a specific type of breathing with like the But I, I, could, I couldn't find – I didn't really look – I couldn't find. I didn't look <laughs> in depth about the breathing because I know that that just well, – you don't do that anymore. Like, it's all about breathing into your body, not doing this – like, fake breathing. How do you also spell that to Google it? <laughs> H-E-E-H-E-E. H O O H O I was thinking for some reason that Lamaze was almost like jazzer size. Like it was like a like a copyrighted not that it's the same class at all. <laughs> that came out wrong, but I mean like because jazzer size is like a trademarked, like, you know, whatever style. Um, but it sounds like maybe Lamaze is kind of like Pilates like everyone calls it Pilates but because it was invented by a guy with the last name yeah. Pilates but like you don't have to be in like a like a trademarked 
name or terms. Yeah, it was just a technique of like a series of classes to help women cope with natural childbirth. That's that's all it was. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, David Schwimmer's un- like physical uncomfortableness right there is super super fantastic, but the uncomfortableness about the lesbianism was really hard to watch. I know. The only thing I really did like was the like back and forth of like, it's fine. We're fine. He's fine. Yes. <laughs> like that, like snappy little dialogue was really fun. Yeah. But everyone's like, why are you all being weird? I know. And then like even Carol and Susan, I guess this shows like how long ago this was and how far we've come, but they're like life partner. Like, they couldn't be like, this is my way for me yeah i don't know even if there was three of them it wouldn't be a big deal right nowadays. like <laughs> i was just like everything is so awkward and their whole situation <laughs> with their whole situation and they're all feeling awkward that they need to explain themselves it would just be a non-issue the today. teacher didn't even seem to care honestly no. she was just kind of like whatever okay yeah did you notice like the nice diverse poster on the wall <laughs> No. It was just like babies of all colors. Oh, perfect. An inclusive Lomas class. Yeah. I I just wanted to point out, like, again, I don't know why when it has to do with women or birthing or babies, like, there has to be excessive amounts of pink. Mm. But I felt like a, a lot of the blankets and pillows that were all around the room were different shades of pink or pink patterns. I've been trying really hard not to buy anything pink for our baby because I'm just like, she likes it, she can pick it, but I'm not going to pick it solely because she's a girl. Yeah. Do you want to know about the teacher? Yeah. Her name is Michelle Lamar Richards. She's an actress, producer, writer, director. She was born in 1954 She's known for The Bodyguard, Top Dog, and Barroom Babies from 2014. Okay. I can only find information about her on, I think, IMDb, which, of course, we know is, like, fairly useless. So the only other facts there were, it was under trivia about her. There were two things written. Um, She was the artistic director at the St. Croix School of the Arts in the U.S. Virgin Islands for one year. And she was the artistic director of the Laforge Theater in Paris, France for three years. And then I was like, but I'm, what is Barroom Babies? I need to know. <laughs> I need, I need to know more. You need to know. So I looked it up and it was a 23 minute short that was written and directed by Michelle. And here's the summary. A compassionate yet dark comedy about a librarian who foils a date rape when two college students go astray amidst the dysfunctional denizens of a rural Arizona bar. All that in 23 minutes. (laughs) Okay. I often wonder when like character, like guest actors like this who like go off to teach and do other things, but you said for limited years, what do they do after that? Like, do they just get a day job doing (laughs) something else? Well, and it's listed as like actress producer director writer so like is she still doing all those things yeah is she like 
temping somewhere while she's doing those things, like writing her next 24 minute short. Yeah, there we go. Then we go to Chandler's office. Uh-huh. So I noticed a couple new background things in his office. So there's a weird clock, like a desk clock facing outward from his desk, which I was like, it's not for him, but is it for his guests sitting on the other side of the desk? It's like this big desk, like, I don't know, it's like a couple inches high and it's like rounded. And it's like a clock clock, not a digital clock. It's just facing like as if you were sitting on the other side of the desk. Well, some of the other uh, guests on his desk include a dinosaur figurine, a tiny fan, and a magic eight ball. So those were some things. And then he pulls a trophy out of his desk when he finds out that Nina is coming in. And then, like, I could not stop staring at the that big geometric painting behind his desk that it looks like it's the inspiration for all of his giant ties. Oh, it's just like paint, like paint splattered, like big strokes of nothing. I don't know. I, I'm just like, why would you choose that to put behind your desk? Anyway. Why would he choose it for a tie? Yeah. Great question. Because he's a 20 something person who just got a promotion and doesn't know what he's doing. Right. Yeah. Do you have any info on Nina though? I do. She's played by Jennifer Grant. Her name is Nina Bookbinder in the episode. Which I thought was so funny. <laughs> is that her job at the company? Yeah, she's a binder, book a bookbinder. Bind- Nina Bookbinder. What kind of books are they binding at this, some sort of statistical analysis company? Weenus books. Weenus <laughs> Oh, true. She's binding the Weenus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so in the credits, they actually list her as playing a character named Michelle. Oh, that's weird. Why Why do they do that? Uh, it was an error. Oh. <laughs> from what I could tell. So Jennifer Grant is the only child of actors Cary Grant and Dian, Diane Cannon, D-Y-A-N. So Cary Grant's her dad. She She's done a lot. She, like through high school and college, worked as a babysitter and a waitress. And then she graduated from Stanford, worked for a law firm, Worked as a chef for Wolfgang Puck at Spago. What? Spago's like a huge restaurant. And then in 1993, seven years after her father's death, she played in her first acting role in Beverly Hills 90210. She's also been on Ellen, CSI, and Walker, Texas Ranger. Way to go, Nina. It's just so fascinating that you go from law to chef at like a world-renowned restaurant. Yeah, like not much time to climb each of those ladders. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So she's impressive. Uh, well, she impresses Chandler too because she's throwing his weenus all out of whack. I really want to know what the trophy is for. Like, what does the trophy say on it? <laughs> I'd really love to know. I agree. I, I thought that too. I'm like, he's not a sports person. It's like best weenus of the month. <laughs> oh, it's one of those company, like, <laughs> like the company trophies of like, you get this award of the month. <laughs> you went above and beyond this week. Thanks. Yeah. 
Mm. Well, it's clear that she doesn't want to hurt his weenus. But she definitely wants to do something else to it. Did you write that down or did you ad-lib that? (laughs) I ad-libbed it. I was kind of hoping that you thought of it and wrote it down. (laughs) Then said it. The subtext between the two were so... It was just, like, so over the top. One of the things that I love... I I don't know if it's because it's Chandler's job. It should be, like, killing him. You know, like, that that, the the wordplay. But then when later when the boss is, like, talking about the annual net usage... Yeah, the anus. Like, this is the worst anus we've had in years. I'm just like, how... How is Chandler, like, not dying inside? It's true, because when he's, like, f- doing a fake job interview with Phoebe later... Yeah. And he can't get through the word duty. Yes, like he can exactly. Like, anus and anus. <laughs> or, like, when uh, the one where they're all coming up with New Year's resolutions and Ross is like, I've never had a really good-smelling pair of pants. And Chandler has something in his mouth, and he's just, like, pounding on the table, like, yeah. oh! <laughs> Well, we go to the girls' apartment. They're having Chinese food again, but they don't have they don't have the the utensils I want. I still haven't ordered them. Oh, you better get on that. I know I want them. Look how much your life changed when you got laundry bags. I know. I might wait hold out till Christmas so I can put something in my stocking. I feel like they'd be great <gasps> stocking stuffers. They would. They would. They fit, fit the shape really well. That is like such a classic mom gift for herself. Like, I got myself these like chopstick utensils. Thanks, family. Like, this is all I get. Oh my God. A complete side note. Have you seen the SNL skit about the mom, the mom at Christmas time? It's like a song parody. Oh, yes. I think I have. It's like, and I got, I got nothing in my stocking. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I'm pretty sure in this scene, I think I had Rachel's exact plaid dress with the baby, with the baby doll tee underneath in middle school at some point. Amazing. I'm so jealous. It's like really in style now. Is it? I don't even. I don't even know. Yeah, like all the '90s, 2000 wow. stuff is back. Baby doll, yeah. crop it, top. It's just like the plain, like boxy tank plaid thing that's just like straight down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liked. Well, no, I didn't like. There's a, there's a point where Ross says, "You don't dip your pen in the company ink," and I was wondering, like, why can't coworkers date? Like, I know I've heard that before, and so I looked it up. And I found an article from NPR. NPR says many employers have rules about relationships at work. So it's important to find out what your employee handbook says. Employers are careful about inter-office dating, not just for office morale reasons, but because they need to be watchful for things like sexual harassment, discrimination, retaliation, and abuse of power. So that makes sense. That makes sense. I think also, I mean, having married someone and worked in many places together (laughs) like exclusively (laughs) almost exclusively we just follow each other around and get the same jobs um 
But I, I think almost all company handbooks have stuff about nepotism and just like favoritism. And I think that's, that's a lot of it. Cause like if you're dating, especially if you're in different positions, that can, mm-hmm. that can be very messy. Yeah. I think there was, wasn't there a thing about Rachel and Tag not being able to date? That must have been because she was his superior. Yes. Ugh, Marcellus here. I do think it's funny that when he steals the remote and turns it to Spanish dubbing, he like does a monkey laugh. <laughs> He's like, ha, 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 ha. He like throws his head back and does this like, ha, ha, ha. I love that he likes Family Matters. Like, I, I don't think that show's funny at all. And Marcel just loves it. I watched it a lot because it was on TGIF. Yeah, I would watch it. It wasn't my favorite. I liked Step by Step better. I love Step by Step. I liked the periphery characters of uh, Family Matters. I did really like in the later years of Family Matters when Steve Urkel came. Oh, Ur- the cool guy? Yeah. <laughs> like some sort of time machine or something or some sort of machine that yeah. oh, made he, of cool. He had like major swag. <laughs> So, like, while Marcel's doing the Spanish subtitles, did you see how hideous Monica's pillows were on the couch? No. They're outrageously awful. Are they new? I don't know, but they're really hideous. They're just really ugly. They're just really ugly. The pattern is awful. But I did think, again, Rachel looked very cute. Yes. Every scene, she's just knocking it out of the park. Yep. Her hair looks great. It's, like, grown out a bit. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is surprising to me that Monica didn't just take down the Christmas lights because she's such a control freak. Like, why is this the hill that she's willing to die on? Like, I don't know. I like, and it's February. It's been a hot. It's like the end of February. It's been a hot minute. <laughs> and it seems like they have four strands up. It would take ten minutes. I loved the little Ross moment where he is picking up the remote and he's like, "How did you?" do this like he looks genuinely confused and like perplexed (laughs) and I've totally done that where my when my kids were little and they just like grabbed the remote and played with the buttons and then I'm just like where are we now I've never been in this part of the tv (laughs) so I, I like a little piece of me related really really hard with Ross in that moment I didn't like that Joey went back to see Ursula without even considering running it by Phoebe first. Like, that seemed very off. I don't like Joey in this episode. And you know I'm normally team Joey. But I feel like he's a total jerk in this whole episode. Yeah. He's pretty oblivious. And, and like, him and Phoebe, especially the relationship that they developed through all the rest of the show, like, it was pretty disappointing. And she's genuinely very hurt. Yeah. Well, he starts out as oblivious and then he's just like blase, don't care. Yeah. And then and almost like hurt and turns it back on her, which I'm like, not cool, man. Like you yeah. you have to understand the like complexity of the situation. Yeah. Like she says, true, we were one egg once, but we've grown apart. <laughs> <laughs> so we then we go back to the Lamaze class and Ross immediately steps on a baby's head, (laughs) which is so, so terrifying to me. I was just like, 
I, I don't like that. Oh. I don't like that at all. <laughs> I did like that they seemed to have a very diverse array of babies in this class. Very. Of baby doll babies. Um, I feel like just this episode particularly is a very diverse supporting cast. I felt like it was it was they were trying. <laughs> it's not a hundred percent white people. Yes, but this this scene was weird to me because, well, first of all, I love it when whenever Ross and Susan interact mm-hmm. by themselves. I think it's just so wonderful. But when do the two support people? go to a birthing class or any one support person go to a birthing class where the person who is birthing can't make it. I don't think ever. I don't think that seems very helpful. I guess if you're, there are things that you as the partner are going to learn in that class, you could still learn them. Or if there's like a certain breathing thing, like you could suggest that to your partner, but I don't, Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a bit of a stretch. I do not think that Tyler would have attended (laughs) any of my Kaiser birthing classes had I not been there. Yeah. I thought it was really funny, the Lamaze teacher, when she's just like, and your vagina opens like a flower. The way that she said it was really funny, but any time, any, any time a vagina is referred to as a flower, I want to throw up a little in my mouth. Just yeah. putting that out there. I I hate that correlation. What's the one from Role Models? He calls it like the whispering eye. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that movie. That's such oh my a God. good movie. Me too. Who's the woman who did all the pictures that were like uh, Georgia Georgia O'Keefe? Is that all her fault that Maybe. why it's called a flower? Her vagina paintings. <laughs> yeah. This isn't your virginity or flower in this show. <laughs> Monica. Oh, Monica. Yeah, when she's just like, I, I don't want to give him my flower. <laughs> I like that reference. That one's funny. We can move on to Chandler's office. Okay. Did you see the new toy alert that was like front and center and horrifying? No. It was like this creepy bobblehead. No, I missed it. <laughs> Super creepy with like a really big open mouth. Ew, like a hor- like a horror film? Yeah, yeah, like a big, like a huge O, like too big for their face, like a big Ew. gaping hole. No, no, I don't like it. And it was like on, so it was on the side of his desk closest to the camera. So it was very, like, prominently displayed. I did not notice it. But they're having layoffs because of the the bad anus <laughs> and he has to fire nina she was kind of a dud when they were interacting her hand is very high up his thigh i don't know if you noticed <laughs> but i'm like that is it stays there for way too long and it is very high i didn't really get like what is he what's what's the deal about nina like why is he so into nina i don't know she has good hair she did have really good hair. I was I really loved her hair. But also she she was like very flirty with him. Yeah. And I think she he was just like, "Oh, she's into me. She's showing me attention." <laughs> no, whatever is. Yeah. <laughs> Better go for it. I mean, she was like, "I don't want to hurt your weenus." And then like gave him that like eyebrow side eye thing. And then puts her hand like 
basically on his crotch, <laughs> which is such a bold move. I was like, um, it is bold. girl, like you're just keeping your hand there. <laughs> That's like a, are you the one move? <laughs> are we a match? <laughs> Let me put my hand here and find out. Let's, let's find out. Do you want to know about Chandler's boss? Yes. Played by Dorian Wilson. Um, he plays Chandler's boss in two episodes. And the other is in season two when Phoebe gets chicken pox with Charlie Sheen. I love that episode. It's a good one. Okay, so this is from Wikipedia. Um, in the 80s, Dorian was a resident actor of CTC, which is the California Theater Center in Sunnyvale, California. And he also became an acting conservatory teacher at the school. He had a student in his class who recognized him on the show Friends. Like, she didn't realize that he'd been in the show. Oh, my gosh. This student of his, Anita, she played his daughter, among other roles, for two seasons in a stage play of Christmas Carol. And she created the Dorian Wilson fan club. (laughs) Okay. And And then she recognized him on Friends? No. She was his student, and she acted with him. And then she noticed him on Friends as he was her teacher. And so she created the fan club for him. Oh, okay. I think that's kind of sweet that like she saw him on the t- or she knew that she was he was on the TV show. So she made a fan club like that's. Yeah. I feel like that's something that we would do for like our friends. Like if they totally. if they got anywhere near a guest <laughs> star on a TV show, we'd be like rallying behind them. Right. And then he also appeared in a KFC commercial for Boneless Chicken. He was also in Moesha, Sister, Sister, Seinfeld. He had an uncredited role in Home Improvement. He was on Fresh Prince, Boy Meets World, That's So Raven, and Grey's Anatomy. Those are a lot of things. A lot of different things. Yeah. I loved the show Sister, Sister, by the way. Me too. I love. Loved Jack K. Yeah. Jack K. I think he played the dad on Sister Sister. Oh my gosh, you're right. I think I just like love anything with twins. I think they fascinate yeah. me. <laughs> I even watched, they had a reality show like in the 2000s at some point that I watched briefly. The sisters did. On the WB. Oh yeah, remember that station? <laughs> with the frog. <laughs> remember UPN? Oh, yeah. Network TV. (laughs) Those were the channels that, like, Dawson's Creek and Felicity were on. Yep. Buffy. I did like that Chandler hates confrontation more than he hates asking out women. Like, he's so scared about asking out women, but he's more scared of confrontation. You're so right. I'll ask her out to avoid firing her. Or did he know that if he fired her, he would have no choice or no chance of asking her out? That's true. Probably both. I think both. Yeah. <laughs> well, then we go to the coffee shop. And <laughs> again, in such a Phoebe fashion, Rachel asks Phoebe what she wants for her birthday. And she's, she wants her mom to be alive to share it with her. Or she wants bath salts. <laughs> So then Rachel's like, oh, how about something from Crabtree and Evelyn? And I was like, I don't know what that is. What is that? I feel like it's the older person's version of Bed Bath & Beyond, which now might be the older person's version (laughs) of something else. 
<laughs> Bath and Beyond is like the old person's target. <laughs> yeah. For smell, like smelly things full of chemicals. You pay like 50% more for And you go in the store and you're immediately overwhelmed. You're like, why is it 50 feet high? Why is the store just like a skyscraper? No, is that, isn't that the body shop? You're thinking of Bath and Body Works. Oh, Bed, Bath and Be... I'm, no, I Bath and Body Works. I was thinking of Bath and Body Works. I know what you mean about Bed, Bath and Beyond. Why is it so tall? It's so overwhelming. No, it doesn't need to be that tall. Why is there so much stuff in there? There's so many like rinky dink little fun things though. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's it is it is like an old person's target. You want to go in there and you want to like buy all of the stupid shit. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's like a made for TV like a toy store. Yeah. Well, they even made a movie about Bed Bath and Beyond with wasn't it Adam Sandler? He like oh. went in the back of to the beyond and got like a weird remote control that could control the universe or something. I d- I did not see this film. Remember this film? What's it called? It no. might have been called Click. Oh my god, we digress so hard <laughs> just because I said the wrong words. It was called Click for the record. He goes okay. into the beyond part of Bed Bath and Beyond because his wife is shopping. Oh my god! And he gets like a magic remote and he can like pause stuff and rewind his life. That would be something that you would find at Bed Bath & Beyond. But I was originally thinking of Bath & Body Works. <laughs> yes, you're right. So Crabtree & Evelyn was founded in 1973. It used to be brick and mortar. It's now only online. But they have body, fragrance, and home care products. It's a luxury bath, body, and hair care place. They started with one store in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And it grew to an international presence with hundreds of locations globally. And now, no locations. (laughs) Well, we have a Mad About You crossover here, though. They try and order coffee from Phoebe, and Phoebe just goes with it. (laughs) And then ignores them. Lisa Kudrow is so good, and I love Helen Hunt so much. I know. Where is she? What's she doing? I haven't seen her in a long time. I don't know. I think I need to rewatch um, As Good As It Gets very soon. <gasps> I love that movie. Me too. Jack Nicholson is amazing. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And also, um, one of the Michaels is in that, right? Keaton? Is it? Ke- no, it's not Keaton. No. That was the Birdman guy, right? Oh, yeah. Maybe it's not Michael. You know what I mean? The- oh, I know who you're talking about. I don't know his name. But Helen Hunt, I mean, she did so much stuff in the 90s and early 2000s that I'm sure she's just like happily retired and living a wonderful life. Right. Remember Twister? The best Um, film of all time. Yes. (laughs) I love that movie. When she's all dirty, like her white, she's wearing like a white tank top and it's just like filthy and she looks wonderful. Her arms look so fit. So buff. Uh, it's Greg Kinnear, by the way. Oh, okay. Not. Not Michael. Uh, not, Michael. Not, not a Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Layla Kenzel is who plays Fran. Okay. So we go back to the girl's apartment and the Spanish TV is still happening. <laughs> Phoebe is really cranky. And like, why is Monica knitting? 
That's what I said. And why does she need two people to help her? I they have nothing else to do. I, I so I was like, do we ever revisit this? Does she is she ever seen knitting again, or is this like a one time thing? I don't remember her ever knitting again. I don't think so either. But I love that they're all three participating in this in this <laughs> knitting activity. <laughs> I thought that they did such a good job at like they're orchestrated, like pulling each other because they really are all attached, and they yeah. did they did a really good job going back and forth all stuck together. Yeah, I I have a feeling that they just kind of went with went with it too because <laughs> and it was maybe not all that blocked out. Yeah, because yeah. Jennifer Aniston at one point has to like go under Chandler. I don't I don't know why she's knitting. What is she knitting? I don't know. It looks For like whom? just a just like a <laughs> square. <laughs> we see Mr. Heckles though. <gasps> His interaction and Rachel's like come back at him is so good when he's just like, my cats can't sleep. And she's like, you don't even have cats. And then he's just like, I could have cats. (laughs) It's so great. So funny. She did a really good job. It's a little like harken back to the blackout too when they're like looking for the cat and he's just like Bob Buttons. Bob Bob but Bob Buttons. I want a cat named Bob Buttons. I know me too. Okay, Joey wants Phoebe to try something on that he bought for Ursula, which is like bad form. What are you doing? He's so insensitive. It's it's so sad. I, I love how she just throws it down back in the bag, though. It's so, oh, that's that's so satisfying. Do we also believe that Joey would shop at Bloomingdale's? No. No way. And especially for someone he just started dating. Like, what what's happening? And and he's going to the ice capades. Did you know? I didn't know he liked capades. <laughs> I haven't known you to pay for any kind of capade. <laughs> Remember when he's trying to get a present for Kathy later, which is like a real serious relationship, he bought, he like goes to the um, office supply store. Yeah. He's not going to Bloomingdale's. No, no. I did look up the ice capades. Oh. Just because I felt like I had a vague memory of what they were, but I wasn't really sure. I was just like, what, what are they? What, what was, the, what was the ice capades? Is it also like Jazzercise and Lamaze? Like it's like a brand of capade? But it's ice skating. But is it like a... <laughs> like Jazzercise? It's not like... Wait, what? It's not like Jazzercise. Um, it might be closer to Jazzercise than Lamaze is close to Jazzercise, though. <laughs> um, so the according to Wikipedia, the ice capades were traveling entertainment shows featuring theatrical ice skating performances. And they were often featuring former Olympic and U.S. national champion figure skaters who had retired from competition. Okay. So I was like, oh, okay. I, I like remember seeing some of that on TV. I never saw them live. So it started in 1940 in Pennsylvania. And the ice capades grew rapidly and prospered for 50 years. But the decline in popularity ensued in the 80s. And that's why we don't really remember it much. I think it just started dying out. Um, And they went out of business in 1995. So he's going to maybe one of the last shows. 
Wow. There have been several attempts to revive the show and its name, but none have been successful. <laughs> Yikes. The name is like Jazzercise. It's Ice Capades. Yes. Yeah. But it's, it's like a trade. Like Ice Capades is like a, it's it's like a show. Like it's yes. It's like a, Hamilton. <laughs> I don't think it's like Hamilton. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I, I don't think it's like a set show. I think they did a oh. lot of different types of performances. Like they okay. did some Disney stuff. They did, like it would vary in terms of what the theatrics were themed. Okay. <laughs> but they were capades. <laughs> What is a capade? I don't know. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so back at Chandler's office. That shot of Chandler's office made me sad because I definitely have those vertical blinds in my house. <laughs> Did it make you sad for his office or for your house? For my house. I was like, <laughs> I have to get rid of these. Do yourself a favor and get a curtain. They are hideous. And doesn't your cat or your dog mess with them constantly? Or your children? We're missing a lot of them. <laughs> so there's holes in them. Oh, yeah. That's fun. I just put, making out is not what he was supposed to do with Nina. No, he's making out with Nina the worst. That's what I put. <laughs> and then making up mental health issues because he's such a dumbass is not cool. No, he's basically taking her reputation and just, like, creating this massive story that's going to make her look terrible. And She's, like, emotionally unstable and slightly dangerous. And the boss is just like, huh, oh, I would have never known. Like, that's cool. Let's let her wander around the building. (laughs) Whatever. I don't agree with this. Well, we jump back to the Lamaze class. And everyone is freaking out in their own little way except for susan ross's shirt is truly terrible and then, and then i wrote carol doesn't want to birth the baby and now maybe i don't either <laughs> she had some valid points yeah i like the pot pot roast through the nostril thing that yes. was kind of funny and the whole i i do think that every every woman at some point in their pregnancy is just like i don't want to do this it, it, that is a natural thing that I think everyone does. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. It's just going to stay in. I'm going to make it stay in. Yeah. I also, the like pot roast through the nostril uh, reminded me of later when Rachel's fighting with Amy and she's like, I've decorated dad's office. And Rachel's like, well, unless you push, pushed a desk through your vagina, it's not the same thing. Yeah. Having a baby. <laughs> I like all their imagery for having baby. A desk out of your vagina. Love I'm sorry, it. your flower. Oh yeah, your flower. <laughs> but I mean, I think it's so interesting that at this, it, it's not until this moment that Ross actually it hits him that like he's going to be a parent, yeah. not just like that he like he's going to be a bait, have a baby, but he's going to be a parent. And I think that that's something that's a true reality check that happens to everyone. It's like, oh, babies are cute. But now I have to have the responsibility of like raising a person. Yeah. 
I think the thing that I've grappled with lately is that like I feel more than prepared to like keep a human alive like I've worked with so many babies and kids like that doesn't scare me the thing that I didn't think about is that like I have to be the one to like figure out her schedule and her like when does she have her bottle and when does she take a nap and like when does she transition from like you know our room to her crib like I have to make decisions about her which is that's the scary thing well I mean luckily they give you cues so so like you learn alongside them true it's not like you have to decide like this baby is going to eat every this like at this time this time and it's going to sleep at this time because it's that's not going to happen but like you you read each other and you're like oh this is a lot easier for all of us when you eat it this time (laughs) (laughs) so let's do that more (laughs) it's just such like a different thing because like being a nanny for so long you just walk in and they're like here's the here's what we do and I'm like okay great I can execute that now I'm like what do we do I don't know what we do there's not a right or wrong answer you just you just do things and babies adapt so whatever you decide it's not a bad choice okay you will be fine thank you (laughs) then we go to the coffee shop oh my goodness sorry their outfits oh i didn't even i don't think i even noticed any outfits he's comparing parenting his stupid monkey to parenting a child yeah no you can't do that is that a decision i should make don't parent like a monkey don't parent no don't parent like you're parenting a monkey or like a monkey or like a monkey yeah just Chandler's wearing like a weird leather vest made of like rawhide (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like where did you get this it was like something that you would have gotten at um oh my god what's that the fur trader oh (laughs) grass valley (laughs) or Nevada City it was just terrible and Joey and Ursula have not had sex yet and a would Joey wait that long and b would Ursula wait that long (laughs) I know. Isn't she a porn star? <laughs> yes. And when she's dating Sean Penn, she's just always like, oh, come on, we're going to go have sex. Yeah. Then we jump to Chandler's office and Nina is afraid that people are acting weird. And so Chandler gives her a raise. Like, oh my God. he's he's just spiraling. Just stop it. This poor woman. Like, the, she is going to lose her job and people think she has a mental illness. I know. And now he, his assistant apparently has a drinking problem. <laughs> Chandler. <laughs> well, why would he even like make that call to his assistant too? like, Oh, b- process the paperwork. Like she's going to be like, what are you, what are you talking about? Why would you do that in front of her? If you want the lie to perpetuate, <laughs> be a better liar, Chandler. And don't propose. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, I, it was good that it got to the point where he spiraled so much that a stapler went into his hand. Yes. <laughs> At least it stopped the whole train wreck. <laughs> Very true. So then um, we go to the girl's apartment. And Monica and Rachel have never had a boyfriend who was their best friend. But then... Monica dates her best friend Chandler, and Rachel dates her best friend Ross. I know. 
It's so good. And Phoebe is so sweet and she's so hurt and she doesn't want to lose Joey as her friend. I, I like love her whole little monologue like about like he's not my lunchbox. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, no, you're not going to lose him. But like how weird would it be if you're like really good friend started dating someone that looks just like you? Yeah. You know, and like. There's like, I, there has got to be so many feelings and like, like muddled around in that, like rejection on top of like, just like the hurt, like the hurt, the wondering why, like, what are they seeing them, but not me, like the comparisons. I, oh, that would be so hard. I feel like the dynamics of twins are it's like so special and also so difficult mm-hmm. and then we get our first phoebe and ursula scene i know so she goes to joey's apartment and ursula's standing there in joey's shirt i have to say from the vantage point of the camera looking past her stand-in double who's now her, who's her sister to look at lisa kudrow like her stand-in looks nothing like her from the back. <laughs> it's it's really distracting. It's clearly a taller person in, in a wig. Oh, like it's, oops! It looks weird. I do love that they like. I can tell who's Ursula and who's Phoebe by like their clothes and their hair. They do a good job differentiating them. Yes, yes, and Lisa Kudrow does a good job just acting. Mm-hmm. differently yeah it's a different character it's really impressive i don't yeah. know how people can act it's amazing I don't know. i'm a ter- <laughs> i'm a terrible liar i could i would be a terrible actor yeah i refuse to play charades even because it makes me so anxious i like don't want to do any kind of acting <laughs> from anyone <laughs> time time to tag out yeah i hated this tag <laughs> I think it's so dumb. <laughs> I have a question about the the like way this building is built. Because <laughs> so she falls off the balcony and then is at Mr. Heckles' window. Does he also not have a balcony? Like she would just be if she went in that far to the wall of the building from an extended balcony, she would just be inside his balcony, you know? Unless it was like, yeah, no, it would it would go straight down. I don't know how she would go in. But even if she went straight down, she would still there would still be a ledge of a balcony there. Could she just like grab that or? But there's no balcony at all. No, there's no balcony. He he just has a window. Also, I don't think that a strand of lights hung <laughs> around her leg would keep her there. I think she would fall to a horrifying death. Yes, absolutely. And then she's like, I'm fine, I'm fine. It doesn't sound scared at all. No, you're not. I would be screaming, like, for someone to help me. That's, it's just too slapsticky. It's, it's like, yeah. I, it like is somehow pulls us out of their actual world and into a different type of comedy. Yeah. It was kind of like Scrubsy, because Scrubs has all the fantasies. Mm-hmm. It was too far. Yeah. And then Mr. Heckles is just ignoring her. But if you were any kind of human being that cared at all, which we find out later he does care about the noisy girls. That's true. 
wouldn't you at least be concerned that someone is hanging from their leg? Even if it's someone you hate, I would be like, oh my god. Yeah. I don't want to be the reason you die. (laughs) And like, how does she end up getting it? Like, how does she end up getting saved? I don't know. Because Monica's not pulling her back up. She's not going down. Like, either she's going in his window or like, what? Yeah, yeah, there's no resolution. It's just (laughs) like, okay. The end. (laughs) Well, this is a two-parter, so... Maybe True. we maybe we will find out. I think spoiler alert is we don't. I'd love to see a rendering of this building to see like <laughs> how a top floor would have a balcony and the one below it would not have a balcony. Because Ch- Chandler and Joey are on the same floor, so it would make sense if like one side of the building has balconies and one side doesn't. Yeah, that makes sense to me. But Heckles is right below them. You're not building balconies. You're not building a top-heavy building. <laughs> like you're not putting a balcony no. up top and then not below. Unless he's on the very bottom floor, in which he wouldn't have a balcony. I mean, we know he's right below them. Oh yeah, because of the noise. Yeah, because he can hear them through the ceiling. Well, Sarah, <laughs> just stop thinking about it. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Can I just nominate Joey for the worst? Yeah. I, I know that I know that Ross was annoying in this one, but I don't think but he, he was the mean. worst. Yeah, I think that Joey was just like not he wasn't thinking about his friend and he yeah. was just like downright selfish. Who wins then this one? Uh Ursula. <laughs> I was gonna say Ursula too. She always wins at everything she does. <laughs> when, like, her stance at the very end of the episode, when she's just, like, in his flannel shirt, and, like, with her hair up and all, like, to the side, and she's just, like, leaning against the door frame, like, that's, like, a, that's, like, a winning stance right there. She always, like, everything she does. Yeah. She does right. Even though, like, I mean, to her, in her world. Yeah. No, it's infuriating <laughs> to everyone else. But it's, right. for her, she's just like, whatever. Yeah. That's great. Living my best life. Yeah. Yeah. Great job. Good job. We did it. We're getting so good. <laughs> and I think the farther we get in, the less, like, back stuff we have to talk about. Yeah. So we can just not- plow through episodes. <laughs> Just quick, like, two-minute TikTok videos now. <laughs> I don't know TikTok still. I only know what Galen sends me. I don't either. I, it, it's it, There's too much going on. Like, it, have you been on TikTok? No. I made an account f- for for Better Friends. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, there's too many filters, and there's sounds, and there's editing. I'm like... Some some younger millennial really needs to help me out. <laughs> I think I w- it was Rob Lowe on the Jennifer Aniston podcast today. He was talking about going to dinner with some tech people recently, and they were all saying like, "Oh, you got to get on TikTok because that's someday like very soon where you're going to get all your news, all no. your information, and everything." And they were like, "In China, it already is that." And, I, and, and he was like, wait, isn't it like six second dances? I don't get it. And they were talking about how there's like all these other things on there. And I, I don't, I just thought it was like dancing bears and <laughs> like jumping dogs. 
And like foxes barking. <laughs> it's all animal based, right? Yeah. <laughs> and children dancing. I don't or like making fun of their parents. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm quickly getting too old to keep up with all of the the trends. Yeah. I remember when Snapchat came out and I think Mare made me get it. And I was like, I don't understand what this is. Can I just text you? I don't get it. <laughs> I didn't understand it either. I can do Insta and Twitter. I, think, I feel like Twitter is still so old, like for old people. Oh, is it? I still don't know how to do Twitter. <laughs> yeah. It's all about hashtags. Oh, I just copy whatever you post on Instagram and then I just rewrite it. (laughs) We'll keep doing that. And we'll keep our ears peeled for the next new trend. And then by the time we post an episode containing the trend, it will have been so far outdated. And we'll do it wrong. (laughs) Also, I think I did post like one TikTok video where it was just me talking. And I'm like, <laughs> I hope I'm doing this right. It's it's going to be like your grandma being like, eh. All right. Well, we have to do a, a, a good goodbye, friends. We have to do a good sign off. Yeah. This one was really fun. Yeah. I liked this. I laughed a lot. Yeah. And next week we can do part two. Yes. And I will try to join a Lamaze class by then. Or birthing class. Whatever. Don't tell me if they make you go. Okay. And hopefully I'll know how to spell zhuzhed by next next time. Well, I love you. I love you too. Bye, friends. Bye, friends. Better Friends Podcast is created, produced, edited, and all the other things by Ashley Madden and Sarah Reinen. Please rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Send us your questions to betterfriendswatchingfriends at gmail.com. To find out more about Better Friends, please check us out on Twitter at BetterFriendPod or on Instagram at BetterFriendsWatchingFriends. Thanks for listening.